0: Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a podcast chronicling the global rise of the radical right. My name is Craig Johnson. And of course, this week we're talking about the demonstrations and pending counter demonstrations following the police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For those of you who haven't been following the news and are for some reason getting uh, your news primarily from me here, um, following his murder by a police officer Uh, actually several police officers, Uh, there were several days of demonstrations in the city culminating last night, uh, that is the night of May 28th, um, in massive demonstrations and protests throughout the city uh, that finally resulted in the takeover and burning of a police precinct after it had been abandoned by the cops. As a result of that, sort of in response to it, uh, Donald Trump tweeted that he intended to mobilize the National Guard and that he would use that force in order to enforce law in the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis. Uh, specifically, what he said was, uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Uh, this tweet was pretty quickly flagged by Twitter, the website uh, for inciting violence, which you know, is part of a longer and different story about Trump's spat with uh, online media platforms and what he perceives as censorship of his views. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. What I want to talk about is the fact that this was actually an incitement to violence by the President, uh, not just violence on the part of the police and the National Guard, but partisan violence, potentially. Now, for those of you who don't know, and this is, of course, not the first time that this has been pointed out, uh, this tweet is a quote of a, another uh, racist national leader in United States history, a man named George Wallace, uh, in this case, a Democrat, former governor of the state of Alabama back in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, this George Wallace is famous for a different quote, defending uh, segregation, specifically this is the segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever quote, uh, which you may have seen on the television, you know, maybe in a Ken Burns documentary or heard in a history class back in high school. The point is that uh, Governor Wallace said this when the looting starts, the shooting starts uh, to refer to um, what he intended the police reaction to protests against uh, segregation and against racial violence uh, to be. Now, the fact is that the fight for civil rights in the United States was extremely violent, specifically on the part of the state. Uh, The government of the United States, and specifically the governments of various states and municipalities, did use force against protesters. Uh, They shot people. uh, They sipped dogs on people. uh, They used scalding and dangerous um, water cannons to attack people. Uh, These are all things that police forces haven't used in mass in the United States um, since then, uh, partly because those images, specifically the water cannon images, have been sort of seared into the American imaginary. And that as a tactic has become less and less useful because it's just, you know, straight up terrifying, it's scary, it, it, it reminds people of a horrifying time in American history. Now, Trump's use of this particular rhetoric Isn't necessarily surprising. Well, it is kind of surprising in that, you know, he knew about this. Uh, For a man sort of famous for his historic ignorance, the fact that he could pull this Wallace quote uh, out of thin air is a little bit disturbing. Um, But the point is that he's making a direct comparison, a direct connection between the protests against George Floyd's murder and the protests in favor of racial desegregation and racial equality back in the late 60s and early 70s. Now, the fact is that there are very good reasons to compare these things. Uh, They are both fights for racial equality against a system of racial violence, Um, but that's not the way that Trump is using the comparison. Trump is trying to say that the right wing should respond to these calls for racial justice today in the same way that it did back in the late 60s and early 70s and before that as well. And um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's important to remember exactly what uh, happened then. Um, this was a time when the KKK would shoot people, would, would murder people. Um, this was a time when uh, racial warriors, as they thought of themselves, would attack Uh, members of the left would attack people who uh, were not necessarily identified with the left, but were in favor of racial equality. Uh, This was a time when activist buildings were being bombed. Um, This was a time when the only event in modern U.S. history that has uh, been the cause of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission being formed. Uh, These are the sorts of commissions that... Uh, were created in the wake of various genocides, specifically in South America and Africa. Um, this was a massacre on the part of uh, right-wing militia, partly involving KKK members uh, in South Carolina, in which they killed members of a communist organization in the United States and also um, various other people who were advocating for desegregation. Now, this specific comparison that Trump is making means that he is trying to you know, wake up to signal to members of the extreme right that this is a time to fight. Um, This is a specific incitement to partisan violence. we got to think about what kind of lessons uh, the members of the right wing are going to learn from this. Now, imagine if people on the right heeded the president's word and came out to counter protest against the solidarity protests and ongoing protests that are happening in Minneapolis and throughout the country. Um, Imagine if armed white men show up at these protests and take the president's word to heart uh, and actually start attacking people. One thing is that they would probably get away with it. You know, they would probably not be prosecuted. Um, The police would probably stay out of their way. Um, This is something that we know partly because of how the police effectively ignored armed, quote, open up protests in the last month. Uh, in which actually armed people stormed state capitol buildings across the country um, and shut them down or took them over temporarily. Uh, knowing this, it's likely that the police would probably stay out of these people's way. Um, and if they started shooting, I, I honestly I honestly don't know what they would do. I honestly don't know what, they, what would happen. The fact is that the racial privilege of these counter-protesters of the right-wing would probably mean that they would get away with it on the whole of course there might be some exceptional prosecutions or people who are stopped um but on the whole they would probably get away with it they would be able to kill maim attack threaten and terrify terrorize um people who are literally protesting a murder a state murder uh this would help them learn that they were above the law uh, it would also help them learn, uh, that is the right wing would learn from that, uh, that they can get what they want through violence, uh, which is a terrible lesson for the right wing to learn if you have paid any attention to uh, the history of fascism or the extreme right in any country. Uh, and it would help them learn that this, kinds of, that this kind of violence, and specifically we're talking about partisan violence, uh, in which civilians go into the street and attack each other in an effort to win their political goals. Uh, It would help them learn that this violence can develop a fellow feeling amongst themselves and opposed to uh, their enemies, you know, their opposition. Uh, This kind of fellow feeling is incredibly dangerous, especially on the right wing, um, because it helps inspire the kind of in-group, out-group distinction that is the foundation of some of the most virulent and dangerous strains of nationalism. Uh, And that is the foundation of a lot of the worst horrors that we saw in the dirty wars in Argentina and Chile, um, and also during the Spanish Civil War in the United States in the 60s, um, all these instances in which there was extreme partisan violence on the part of the right against the left. Now, the days to come will only show us exactly what will happen. It's possible that Trump will try to walk back this particular dog whistle. Uh, I I don't even know if this this is not a dog whistle. This this is just a straight up whistle. Um, Everybody can hear this one. It's pretty transparent. It's very obvious. Um, We'll only see in the coming days, weeks, months uh, exactly how the right wing will respond to this. I hope that it is not as violent and horrifying and terrifying as it could easily be, Um, but it's possible that it could be very dangerous. If you or someone you know is planning to attend a protest uh, in the coming days, weeks, or months, please be careful. Um, Please wear shoes that are comfortable for running in. Um, Please stay hydrated. Uh, specifically for tear gas and other chemical agents, do not wear contact lenses. Uh, If you require corrective lenses, wear glasses. Um, These are unfortunate things to have to tell people, but uh, that's what you got to do in these times. Please stay safe. Now this seems as good a time as any to talk a little bit about uh, the differences between uh, the police and fascism as such. Uh, The biggest difference uh, between something that might be described as a police state and something that might be described as a fascist state or a fascist government um, is, well, that a police state is run by the police. It's run by the state apparatus, Uh, whereas fascism, uh, a fascist government is a government run by a revolutionary mass political movement. Uh, This is a partisan movement of civilians. Uh, so in the paradigmatic case in uh, Nazi Germany, there was, you know, the state police, but there was also the party police. Uh, the SS uh, was a branch of the Nazi party as opposed to the German state. Um, there are major differences here. A um, police state doesn't require a revolutionary mass political movement. It could be taken on by the military uh, or by the police apparatus itself. Uh, It tends to be more reactionary, uh, as in uh, probably enforcing the status quo uh, rather than building up a revolutionary political movement, uh, trying to build a different or, you know, in their perception better and, uh, you know, more perfect world, uh, which is the goal of fascist movements across the world. Now, practically, this might seem or feel very similar uh, on the street. You know, we're talking about we're talking about who is oppressing people and why, you know, who is being violent and why. And, you know, these distinctions might not seem particularly important um, in the middle of uh, such a confrontation or for one experiencing this kind of violence. But the fact is that it is actually very, very different. And the targets of police and uh, fascist movements can be quite different. Uh, the biggest difference is that in a police state, it's almost almost entirely sure; it's very probable uh, that elites uh, will remain safe, uh, that their influence will not uh, be challenged. Uh, but this is not necessarily the case in a fascist movement. Um, in a fascist movement, uh, the fascists, you know, these Political cadres could turn on their elite benefactors uh, sort of at any moment. Um, the fact that there have only been a few fascist movements that have taken state power means that we don't exactly have a lot of examples of this. Probably the clearest uh, would be in Romania, uh, in which the fascist movement seized power uh, from the conservatives that had been in coalition with it and were then later defeated by those conservatives. Um, In Germany and Italy, the fascists were a little bit more understanding and cooperative uh, with the conservatives who helped them win. Um, But the point here is that fascism is something special. It's something specific. Um, It is a tool that conservatives use in order to defeat the left that uh, sort of awakens and takes control of itself and maybe tries to take over the state. Uh, Whereas the police or a military government is a pre-existing part of the state. It's a pre-existing violent system uh, that can be totalizing. It can take over the logic of the state, Um, but it doesn't have to build anything new. It's not talking about, you know, rebuilding the America that always was. Uh, A police state could just be about enforcing the laws that exist in a particularly draconian way. And of course, this is a little bit muddied by the fact that many police, uh, especially in the United States, and also many military personnel, again, especially in the United States, uh, are themselves fascists or have uh, right wing nationalist political tendencies. Uh, Getting at those distinctions is something that will take a lot longer uh, than listening to a short podcast such as this one. And I am sorry to say that in the coming weeks, months and years, we will probably have many opportunities to explore and understand uh, the nuances of this particular kind of relationship between the police and partisan fascist or otherwise right-wing militants. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism. Uh, Please join us again next week uh, as we continue to chronicle the global rise of the radical right. Thank you.